cracked windows, broken doors, leaky roofs, abandoned houses. Across Winnipeg's inner city, there is a great need for improved housing. Many of the existing homes are old, overcrowded and in poor repair. A unique construction company and an architectural associate are working together to make those improvements. We'll meet them in a moment, but first, let me welcome you to Prairie Design Lab, coming to you from the Faculty of Architecture at the University of Manitoba. It's a podcast created with the help of the graduates, students, faculty, and allies of the most experienced and hardest working architecture faculty in Western Canada. I'm Terry McLeod, the host, producer, and writer of Prairie Design Lab. Welcome to episode 22 called Purpose. With me now are the two people I mentioned. Kaylin Taylor is the executive director of Purpose Construction, and Fletcher Noonan is an associate with Montaigne Architecture Works of Winnipeg. They're both with me now. Kaylin, what is Purpose Construction? So Purpose Construction is a nonprofit social enterprise trades training company. We are a nonprofit. I'm answerable to a board of directors. Uh, we're a social enterprise, which means that we are operate as a business. We operate, in our case, without core funding, uh, but we operate for a social purpose. And in our case, the social purpose is providing training and employment opportunities for people in the skilled trades. And in our case, uh, the purpose is creating training and employment opportunities in the skilled trades for people with barriers to employment. So for us, that means people transitioning out of the justice system. It means Indigenous people living in the North End, it means refugees and newcomer Canadians, uh, as well as queer and trans people. So folks who often don't find a place for themselves in the traditional construction trades. What does purpose construction do to improve housing in the inner city? For the last decade, uh, we've been lucky enough to partner with Manitoba Housing to do capital upgrades and repairs on existing social housing units. So when somebody moves out of a unit, it needs cleaning, it might need patching in the walls, maybe it needs a new kitchen. That's the work that Purpose Construction tends to do. And it's perfect for us because they're empty units and it's repetitive and it's a fantastic training opportunity. But for us, after a decade, that doesn't go far enough. Uh, we can see with our trainees, we can see with our own experience that the housing quality in the North End certainly isn't to the standard of the rest of the city. It's certainly not enough for the people who need it. There isn't enough availability of safe, affordable housing, even for our own staff. So in the last year, we've decided to expand our housing work to affordable housing development. Uh, we're looking to use our skills and use our training program to start addressing the core issue of housing availability in Winnipeg's North End. And so we're doing that starting this year with the creation of three new affordable housing units intended to be low barrier for first-time homeowners, uh, specifically low-income and high-barrier first-time homeowners. How great is the need for improved housing in Winnipeg's inner city? Often we can reply to that question statistically, but for me, the story that really brought it to the forefront was actually the story of one of our staff in the Social Enterprise Centre. She was a single mother. She has four children. Uh, all of them, when she came to, to us, were in the care system initially. She got sober. Uh, she was gainfully employed for five years. She did the training program. She was working in, this, in construction. Uh, and she was told by her caseworker that the final step to her getting her kids back was getting access to housing that was big enough to house her children. She was on a waiting list for Manitoba Housing's three-bedroom unit for almost five years. She wasn't able to get her kids back. By the time she managed to get a two-bedroom apartment that let her get one child back, two had aged out of care by that point. And the third one, she's only allowed visits with. This hasn't been solved to this day. 
she couldn't find a three bedroom apartment that she could afford. And that was the condition she needed to be raising her own children. And for me as a parent, you know, I can't imagine housing availability being the one thing that stands between me and having my family. And we're talking about a woman for whom the only reason she showed up to work in the morning, the only reason she got sober was to get her family back. And so for us at Purpose, this was really the story that brought us to the table. This was the story that had us sitting around and thinking like, what can we do for this one specific person? What can we do to help her get her family back? And at some point it was like, well, I mean, we build things, right? Uh, and if nobody else is building safe and affordable housing in the North End, can we? Uh, and can we use those builds as a training site to provide employment opportunities to our trainees, to provide living wages to our trainees, uh, and to expand the skill set we're able to, to train on? Fletcher Noonan, you're an associate with Montaigne Architecture Works, and you're the president of the board of Purpose Construction. Why did you get involved with them? Initially, uh, getting involved with Purpose Construction, it was I was looking for a, a board position. The work that Purpose is doing in um, in the construction industry and in you know specifically in the North End and, and and working with their clientele and demographic, it struck a chord with me. Historically, Montaigne Architecture Works has done work with and for different organizations such as um, West Broadway Youth Outreach. Ray, which is the resource assistance for, for youth. In the past, Westminster Housing. And even currently, we are, we're working for West Broadway Development Organization as well. So there are a number of kind of threads that seem to mesh well with the direction that that Purpose has and, and the leadership that Kim brings to it. Fletcher, what role do you play with Purpose aside from chairing their board? Our board for Purpose is a really well-rounded group of individuals. For all intents and purposes, we give Kaylin room to manage the business, but you know we're here for any kind of advice or oversight when, when it's needed. For myself, being uh, an associate in an architecture firm and having a great deal of experience bringing projects to and, and through the city permitting offices, uh, I bring a lot of that experience to the table. The design experience of our firm, um, historically having done a great number of single family residences, we see the, uh, the value of that knowledge and experience as being useful, specifically with these homes. Kaylin, how do you determine the kind of housing that's needed by the people that you serve? For this project specifically, we wanted to be really careful that we weren't getting out ahead of the needs of the community, right? Especially because for us, we were driven by this, this kind of singular story. So we were lucky enough to get involved in a project called the Boldness North End Housing Lab. The Boldness North End Housing Lab. Okay. And what's that? And what that was, was a year-long housing lab uh, run by the Winnipeg Boldness Project, which is a social innovation lab in the North End. Uh, and that's a lot of buzzwords. But what it means was a single space held for over a year to let, you know, community come together and consult on what the housing needs are in the North End, specifically. What are the barriers to safe and affordable housing and what does the community need and want? And what we found actually really echoed the reason why we came to the table in the first place. There's a real need for three and four bedroom housing, larger housing to accommodate larger families in the North End that is safe and secure. Energy efficiency came up a lot, uh, the unaffordability of high energy bills. Another major barrier that got identified that we've worked in this project to address is how difficult homeownership is uh, when you need to come up with a down payment. You know, often homeownership in Winnipeg uh, costs less on a monthly basis than renting. 
uh, the mortgage payments are actually much less. But coming up with that 15, 20, 25 grand up front is really, really difficult. So that really focused our work on larger houses. Uh, we're building right now four bedroom houses, highly energy efficient houses, and also developing it using a model that allows low income homeowners to buy houses without the need for a down payment up front. And so that's what we've done. How do you do that without, say, a down payment up front? Uh, and I will try to explain this part as clearly as I possibly can. We are going to be developing these houses using something called a shared equity mortgage model. And what that means essentially is that Purpose is going to retain an ownership stake in that house. We're going to build it, but we're going to hold on to an ownership stake valued at about $70,000, about a third of the total value of the house. What that lets us do is discount the purchase price. Let's say, and these numbers are examples right now, we're in early days, but let's say we build the house for $230,000. We then take a $70,000 ownership stake in that house. It lets us turn around and sell the house for $160,000. So first off, we're discounting the purchase price dramatically. Secondly, our ownership stake, our second mortgage, uh, sits on the title of the home and also serves as the down payment. So essentially, purpose is paying the down payment on the house. So people come in at a, at a lower initial cost. They come in without the down payment. And that second mortgage is actually an investment by purpose. We hold on to that $70,000 as a silent second mortgage. We can't tell people how to live in their houses. But if they sell their house, we get bought out of that $70,000 plus interest. And if they don't sell the house, then they are contractually obligated to remortgage the house after 10 years, at which case they buy us out. So really... It's a graduated entrance into homeownership. Uh, it lets people who, you know, might not otherwise have the credit to buy a house. Uh, you know, the credit is balanced. They look both at purposes books as well as the initial homeowner. And it really lets us kind of leverage what we have as a social enterprise to help people buy into their first home. Fletcher, what features do you design into the homes that purpose builds other than lots of bedrooms? Can touch on the fact that they're they're four bedroom homes. They're a two story home without basement, so on grade beam. So there's a ramp entrance and accessible bathroom. The main floor has an office that could, if needed, be used as as a bedroom. So there's a fully accessible main floor, and then four bedrooms on the on the second floor. So a key point of that is that it's a full bathroom on the main floor as well. The homes have been designed to fit kind of standard building you know, modules, material sizes. They're approximately 24 feet wide by 36 feet deep. So it, that works well with uh, the majority of our, our kind of standard building components, whether that be uh, floor joists or sheets of drywall. We've designed it to be quite simple to build, but of high quality. Our goal is for each series of homes each year to, to be improving the performance and to almost up the ante each year. As we learn, as, as we move along, as our skills increase, the quality and the, the efficiency of the homes will, will get better. But having said that, these first three homes that we've designed are roughly two times better than a standard code-built house in terms of energy efficiency. You know, the insulation, the walls in the, in the attic provides that much better kind of thermal performance. So when we do that primarily on the walls, that's achieved by the use of um, a continuous layer of insulation on the uh, outside 
of the sheeting. So that you know, greatly improves the performance of the envelope. Why don't they have basements? So I think in, in Winnipeg, we are used to seeing basements on the majority of the homes in our city. And as most people know and have seen that the, those basements are often, if not leaky, they're, they're prone to mildew, rot. And often if you are storing anything down there and there is some sort of emergency event or flood event, then you know, all of those supplies, all of those you know, memories that you've stored away, they're subject to you know, a, this disaster. We're also building on, on typically small lots for all these homes. They're between 33 and 35 feet wide. And so we have a 24-foot wide home on a 33-foot wide lot. It doesn't give us a lot of room for building deep foundations. There are significant risk factors involved when digging deep holes on a, on a narrow lot, you know, whether it's from adjacent sidewalks or roads or adjacent buildings. So there's considerable cost involved with doing deep foundations on small lot and risk, in part because we are learning a lot of things as we go. We want to try and keep the risk to a minimum. And, you know, we also want to keep it as affordable as possible. So the, the increased cost of, of deep excavation was a barrier for, for this uh, first round of homes. Kaylin, what kind of consideration, though, did you give to whether you should be building townhouses or apartments rather than single family dwellings? I actually absolutely wanted to be building apartments initially. It was really about matching our dreams to the land that was available. So in this case, we were actually able to work with the city of Winnipeg. And this is something that I think we're really proud of to essentially donate three lots of land for a dollar each to us. Uh, and that's something the city of Winnipeg hasn't done for a very, very long time. Uh, it's something housing advocates have been working for for a really long time. And we're really proud to be part of the pilot project for that. In that case, what we got access to was three very narrow inner city lots uh, that really worked much better for single family housing. In that case, you know, we decided to go with what we had up available to us. But this shared equity mortgage model could just as be easily be used for multi-unit developments, for condo developments. This isn't a one-time thing. We're not interested in building three houses and stopping. We're looking to continue expanding this project. Uh, and I would love to see us expand into townhouses, into multi-unit, depending on what land we can get available. How do you decide who gets a house? That's tricky. And essentially, I do not want to. <laughs> Uh, because I know that a lot of the folks who are going to be building the house are really interested in being the owner, right? And that's tricky because I am their boss. Uh, I'm their mentor of, often. So we've partnered with the North End Community Renewal Association, and they are going to help us select the final homeowner. So we've worked together to develop a matrix, uh, really that's, that's balancing financial affordability and need. Uh, so in the case of this project, we're really prioritizing Indigenous folks we're prioritizing people with, with children in the care system who'd be able to get their kids out of the care system by accessing the house. Uh, we are prioritizing people with family disabilities. Then we're working with Cambrian Credit Union to pre-screen people for mortgage affordability. So they'd be getting screened for that lower mortgage rate, that $160,000. Uh, but we need to know first that they'll be able to carry that mortgage. After that, it's going to be, we're going to screen people through the matrix, and then it will probably be a lottery process. What financial contribution do the new owners have to make for the homes when they want to buy them? So the new owners of the home buy in at that $160,000 mortgage rate. So buying in essentially to a two-thirds ownership of the home. Uh, but there's no upfront costs. 
Uh, unlike a Habitat for Humanity model, we're not necessarily looking for uh, help in kind. You get to move in and you get to start paying your bills. And so instead of any upfront lump sum payments, you just start carrying that monthly mortgage payment, which for these houses we're estimating will be about $950 a month. So again, much more affordable than a four-bedroom house if you were renting it. Fletcher, you mentioned that the homes are, are highly energy efficient, like twice as efficient as some other similar homes. What does that actually do to the utility bills? Theoretically, at least, by doubling the effective insulation value at that, we conceivably should be dropping the heating bill in half. Kaylin, you, you have a staff at Purpose of about 30 people, is that right? Yeah. And what do the rest of the staff, I mean, we know what you do, but what do the rest of them do? I mean, in many ways, we look very much like a traditional construction company. You know, we've got project managers, we've got site managers, we've got lead hands, we've got carpenters, we've got painters. We're a training program, but we don't time limit the amount of time that people are with us. And people are paid from day one. I consider their first year to be the training program, provided that they are, you know, working hard and learning. Uh, we we employ everybody after that as much as we possibly can. So I keep people, you know, we move people onto the private sector when they're ready, uh, but we also try to move people up in the company. So, you know, my site managers are people who came in as trainees, you know, in a lot of times our, our carpentry trainers are folks who came into us as trainees, our painting trainers, uh, as much as possible, we try to be a company run by and for the people with barriers to employment in the construction trades. How close are you to actually building these three homes? The homes are designed, the project is fully funded. We are about to apply for permits. So we're pretty close. We intend to be building as soon as we can in the spring. And who will the builders be? That part is actually really exciting and still evolving to some extent. But my very good friend, Johnny Meikle, is the founder of Strength in the Circle, which is a group of indigenous men uh, formerly involved in the justice system who are getting together to create a kind of peer mentorship and mutual support space, specifically around traditional indigenous healing practices and sober living and putting their lives back together. So they have a sober living house they just opened. They've been very present on social media. They are an absolutely wonderful group and they're exactly who we wanna be supporting. So right now we're in the process of confirming a partnership with Strength in the Circle, where we are gonna be training 10 of their uh, participants who are living in the sober living houses. They're currently supported through strength in the circle. And in some ways, the last thing they need is a job, right? An income, a career. Uh, coming out of prison, uh, you know, you're often left with really nothing. And most people won't hire you. The construction trades to me are one of the last places left where you can truly earn a family supporting income without necessarily having, you know, advanced degrees and, and with a criminal record. Our intent is to hire and train 10 people from Strength in the Circle. They will all have criminal records. Uh, they will all be in the process of getting sober and they will be supported through that training process and they'll be building the houses. And if we're lucky, they'll be buying the houses. What kind of challenge is it for Purpose to be taking on people who've had those issues? Oh, it's what we do. It's our bread and butter. Of our 30 staff, I think 93% of us are people with barriers to employment. So we're absolutely a construction company built to be mentoring people through these transitions. And that's why we're different than other construction companies. I laugh that we hire people and you have to be like half carpenter, half social worker. That's absolutely what happens at Purpose. No, they won't be any different than anyone else who works there. And we, you know, there are absolutely challenges. People are 
learning very basic skills in some cases, you know, eye contact, uh, anger management on site, showing up on time, plus like meeting a tape measure. You know, we're starting from scratch in a lot of cases, but that is what we're here to do. So Fletcher, Kalen mentioned partnerships with, uh, say, Strength in the Circle. I understand as well, some commercial construction firms are pitching in. What are they doing? There are private construction firms that are, are looking to, to help and to partner w- with the builds where needed. One item, for example, I know on the design side of things, some of our partners, Barnes & Duncan, Land Surveyors for one, have been offering us reduced rates for their services for the lot grading uh, plans and for you know, the staking, those sorts of things. There's a, there's a lot of goodwill out there. And I know that uh, Kalen's construction manager has been, been reaching out to other firms uh, for their professional assistance as well. How's that working, Kalen? This is as much an invitation as it is a kind of opportunity to, to thank the people who've already come forward. Uh, we are absolutely looking for partners uh, in the construction trades to come forward and assist with the project. We've been really lucky so far to partner with the Home Depot Foundation. So they've come forward and they've actually given us some financial support to support the training project, which is huge. And we're currently talking about in-kind donations of construction materials. So I'm really hoping that that comes through. Actually, the most critical partnerships that I'm looking for is people to come and meet our trainees, people who might be hiring in the private sector after this training project. Potential future employers are a very important partner that we're looking for, uh, as well as people who might be able to donate in-kind services moving forward. Fletcher's in-kind work on this project so far has been really critical. We do a ton of kitchen and bathroom renovations, but like permitting processes are new to us. In some ways, many aspects of designing and building a whole home are new. And so, you know, we're leaning really hard on the experience of our board, uh, of people who have been through this before to guide us through the development process. Another really critical partner we've developed is Community Health and Housing in Brandon, Manitoba. They are a small nonprofit affordable housing developer that have been developing housing exactly like this, using a shared equity mortgage model for about 10 years. They have been kind enough to mentor me through the process of developing these first houses and to support us through the development of a shared equity mortgage model system. So yeah, that's Glenn Crook in, in Brandon, and I cannot thank him enough. If you were to be able to build enough homes to fully meet the needs of people in the inner city, how many homes would that be? We would like to continue scaling up our work to be building about 20 homes a year, which again, does not come close to meeting the demand. Uh, We all, I mean, anyone who's been in the north end of Winnipeg knows we have a lot of vacant lots. You can drive down a lot of streets, you've got boarded up houses, you've got empty lots. Uh, in a lot of ways, it really makes it difficult for the neighborhood to develop, for property ownership, you know, property values to rise. We really like to be taking a kind of street by street approach to addressing these vacant lots that often don't have a ton of value on the private market, but we can be converting them into housing and getting the right people housed in those houses, you know, as well as lifting up the neighborhood. I don't have a final number for you yet, but I do know that we'd like to be scaling this. We'd like to make this annual and we'd like to be training a whole lot of people. I've got 30 people working for me now, but I've got a stack of 150 resumes on my desk. And the only thing that stops us from expanding is access to work, right? Our job sites are our training sites. I feel answerable to that stack of resumes on my desk. You know, it stares at me every day. I would like to keep expanding this until I can give everybody who wants a chance to turn their life around a chance to do so. If other people interested in the architecture industry wanted to get involved in projects with purpose or other organizations like it, why should they do it? 
Terry, I think it's really rewarding. Um, I think for myself, one of the highlights in the year, almost I would say, is the Purpose AGM. And even just, just visiting the uh, Social Enterprise Center, you know, to, to go and to interact with the people that are affected by the work that Purpose and Kaylin are doing is, is rewarding unto itself. But then to be able to contribute in a meaningful way to the, to the housing and to the nurturing of families and thereby strengthening the community, like it's, it's strongly tied to the reason that many people get into architecture and design. It's, it's to create community. Also, I think from talking with you two, you're creating optimism in a way that is so many people look into the inner city in the North End and get really discouraged and think we can't deal with this. It's too complicated. It's too hard. There are too many problems. But you two and others involved seem to have found a way to find optimism and the drive and ambition to work on this. Why is that? Kayla, why do you do it? Optimism isn't that hard, I think, if you're kicking around purpose construction for very long. I have never worked with a group of people that I feel more proud of and more comfortable with, especially because we employ such a range of people with barriers to employment. You know, we get these beautiful moments coming up and and I'll just share one, you know, just before the pandemic, back when we could still be in a room together, but I was walking into our shop uh, space, you know, early in the morning and that's when everybody's coming and going. And there was a young man there who was a relatively recent hire of ours. He was a refugee. Uh, and he was struggling with a lot of PTSD at work, uh, specifically around nail guns. Uh, nail guns are really challenging if you come from a war zone. Uh, and we had removed them from the sites and everything, but we were working on it. And I walked in and he was talking to one of our employees that's now a lead and a trainer. And he's been with us for a really long time. You know, he's an indigenous man who's you know, spent a, a good amount of time in prison in his life. And he was talking to this, this young refugee man and they were smudging. We have a smudge bowl in our, in our shop. Uh, and he was teaching him how to smudge. And he was talking about how for him, like he carries a lot of trauma in his life. And for him, smudging at the beginning of the workday lets him kind of put that down for the day and move forward in a good way. And you have these two men together, you know, and they're, and they're smudging. That's some of the reasons why we do this work, you know. And I've got, I've got job sites that we visit, got very religious Muslim refugees working next to young trans men working next to indigenous ex-cons coming out of the justice system. And we joke that we are like, we are the UN at this point. Like there's these moments that are created and there's these conversations that happen on our job sites that I think probably happen nowhere else. Some of the most gentle masculinity I have ever had the privilege of being around, I've been around at purpose. I mean, I just feel really incredibly lucky to work there every day. I want to move through this world and make as much of a contribution as I can. Uh, I also want to make the construction industry safer for more people like me. I, I come from a family uh, where everybody works in the trades. Uh, my parents both ran construction companies. I have two brothers running construction companies. As a young queer and trans person, I'm absolutely not safe in huge swaths of the construction industry. Uh, and that was you know, some of my very first introductions into the space. I also have a brother who spent a lot of his early life in and out of prison. And as a young white man uh, with a fair amount of privilege, when he was ready to turn his life around, my parents were able to get him a job in the trades and it didn't matter that he hadn't finished high school. And it didn't matter that he had been, you know, in and out of the justice system. He's now earning 80 grand a year as a project manager for a large corporate firm. And he's supporting his kids, he's raising his sons, he's a good dad. I wanna see that opportunity 
offered to the people in the North End who aren't coming from, you know, a family with intergenerational construction contacts, who don't have, you know, white skin, who might not be able to walk onto a traditional job site and get given that chance. So really, I mean, I want to give this chance to people like me. I want to give this chance to people like, uh, you know, the newcomer refugees, the folks transitioning out of prison. Like, I want us all to have a chance to work in a sector that I love uh, and that I believe has a place for all of us. We just need to pry the door open. And that's what we're doing. You two are real models for me. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. No. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to talk about this project. I'm so excited to, to get the word out there and to, you know, attract as many partners as we can, because I'd like to see this grow and I'd like to see us do a lot more of it. So thank you so much. For sure. You two will have very busy days. Okay. Thank Thanks you so much. much. Okay. Much appreciated. Righto. Bye-bye. Bye. Kaylin Taylor is the executive director of Winnipeg's Purpose Construction, and Fletcher Noonan is an associate with Montaigne Architecture Works of Winnipeg. Prairie Design Lab is created with the help of the graduates, of which Fletcher Noonan is one, and the faculty, students, and worldwide allies of the University of Manitoba Faculty of Architecture. I'm Terry McLeod your writer, producer, and host. For more information about us, visit our website at prairiedesignlab.com. Special thanks today to Nadia Kidwai of CBC Radio Winnipeg. You can listen to us on Spotify and Apple and Google podcasts, and you can hear us on the radio on UMFM at 101.5 FM on Wednesday mornings at 11.30 a.m. Thank you for listening. See you next week. <laughs>